0: We pray, Lord, that uh, we would be all that we should be, and we give you permission to be all that you are today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let everybody say, uh, he's risen. Do you think that's true? Is that like, how many of you are like, yeah, actually, the dude got up, yeah, resurrected, rolled away the stone, walked out, the whole bit. Are you in? Because it's crazy, right? Because it's just a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird. Have you noticed this? You can talk to people about a creator God, and they're like, yeah, I mean, I can see arguments for that. But you talk to somebody about the bodily resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, and they get a little bit trippy. Because I don't know what it is. What's a bigger miracle? Creating the universe or like, you know, reanimating one guy? What's the bigger miracle? I probably, you know, it's hard to measure these things, but I would say, you know, probably the creation of, you know, everything is a little bit larger and more impressive than kind of the recreation of of one thing. But it's that one thing. It's sort of the recreation of this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. It's the resurrection of one dude that has wigged out humanity for 2,000 years. You know, for some reason, that has become sort of the hinge of human history in bunches of different ways, not just faith history, but, but you know, social history, the history of nations. I mean, it's like the, the consequence of that event are so large as to be almost inexplicable. There's just something about it that feels, for some reason, I can't quite put my finger on it, a little extra miraculous or a little extra ridiculous do you think that's true are you following me uh warm-up question we've talked a little bit already but here's your warm-up question which is something that we do at blue water Uh, the question is this how will the lord bring life and blessing out of this how will the lord bring life and blessing out of this what's your answer All right, it's sort of a weird question because it depends what this is, right? How will the Lord bring life and blessing out of this? What is this? Well, I don't don't know exactly, but you all have a this, right? Don't you? Do you not all have a this? All, you know, a dead end in your life, a situation that just feels as bleak as bleak can be. A disappointment that goes right to the core of the soul do you have a this or have you have you recently had of this are you expecting of this this month how many of you have a this turn to someone and say man how about this because we all we all have a this we all have a this uh, we all have something you ever I asked this question a couple weeks ago you ever have Something that seemed terrible at the time, but turned out to be a blessing in the end. Well, that's the sort of this that we're talking about. That's the sort of this that I think defines Christian experience. It's one of the great pillar experiences of Christianity. Terrible things happen. They just don't stay terrible forever. They just don't stay terrible for too long. And that experience, whatever you call it, I don't know, you might call it a mm, resurrection experience, I think defines Christian life more than any other sort of experience. It's, it's the thing that's most unique uh, about Christianity. You know, it's life from the grave. You know, there are, there are, there are a lot of mm, vague faith beliefs out there that appreciate life from the womb, or life from the moment of creation, you know, the Big Bang, that sort of thing. But life from the grave, life from the literal dead end, life from bleakness. All right, that's sort of uniquely Jesus. Uh, what are the two ingredients of resurrection? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, too. One is life. The other one, of course, is death. <laughs> resurrection is, is life preceded by death. And, and there's just something about that that's powerfully, powerfully Christian. And that, of course, is what we celebrate at Easter. Did I say this already? He is risen. There was a mixture of ac- answers, but all of them were Correct. And and today we we celebrate life! Life! One of those powerful four letter words that starts with L. Um, And what an interesting life it is. What a unique character it has. This life from the grave, this life from the dead end, this life from bleakness, this breakthrough from disappointment. That's the sort of life that we celebrate uniquely today on Easter. It's not life from the womb, it's life from the grave. And that sort of life, I've got to tell you, is hard to get a grip on. It's hard to get the hang of that sort of life, resurrection life. Uh, It's hard to get a grip on resurrection life, even for those who were there on that weekend 2,000 years ago. And there's an excerpt from the narratives about Easter, the biblical narratives about Easter, uh, so many uh, versions of it in the Gospels. We've chosen one this morning from the Gospel of John, from John uh, chapter 20. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you know the story. On Friday, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was crucified. It was, uh, it was an impressive sort of death. Then he was thrown uh, in a grave, uh, a stone tomb. Uh, it was owned by this fellow, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And then uh, a couple of ladies got up early on Sunday morning and they went to the grave because they wanted to dress the body correctly. They had some, some you know, anointing oils and stuff like that. But when they got there, they found that the grave was inexplicably empty and there were some other signs, like the grave clothes were there, but they weren't like rumpled and cast aside. They, they looked remarkable. We don't know exactly how, but but more than one version says they were just kind of laying there and they looked really interesting as if you could tell that somebody had passed through them or something. Um, There were some uh, angels sighted and then eventually uh, uh, one or two of the ladies saw Jesus himself, first in a way they could not recognize, but then in a manner more obvious. And then they went back and told the disciples, the surviving disciples, the disciples, Maya, Judas, uh, what had happened. Uh, They run to the grave. John got there first, evidently. Peter was close behind, and they examined the empty tomb, and they were confused. They were troubled. They were happy. I think they heard the testimony. They heard uh, Mary say that she had seen the resurrected Christ, and this is where we pick up the story. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed where the scars would have been. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Well, yeah, me down a few lines. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, Didymus means twin, As does Thomas, actually. Maybe this guy uh, had a twin or looked an awful lot like someone. Uh, He was one of the twelve. A guy who had followed Jesus for years at this point. But he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. I don't know if they're still hiding there or what, but a whole week passes in this story. And this time, Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, All right, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Total surrender, theological insight, the whole bit. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Great story. Um, it's sort of like the post-Easter morning story. And I always find it really provocative. Uh, The disciples, uh, like I say, have received the news of the resurrection and the sighting of the resurrected Christ. And they have seen some evidence at the grave itself. But I notice when the story begins, they are still scared out of their minds and hiding. which, Which is just remarkable to me, right? Like, this amazing thing has happened. We sort of celebrate the rolling away of the stone and the resurrection of Christ, but, you know, we forget what that must have felt like uh, for the guys at the time. It's like, okay, what's going on? Because this is a little bit unprecedented, and though the greatest, you know, miracle of, of the age has just occurred, they're still scared enough to be in hiding because they don't want to be killed by the same people uh, that, that killed Jesus. So the resurrection of Christ doesn't change anything for them automatically. They, they're still trying to, to get the hang of what has just happened. Right? You appreciate that? This is a very human story, which I, I love about the gospel narrative. They're like, well, that's really interesting. What you've said is fantastic. It even reminds us a little bit of some predictions that Jesus made about rising on the third day and all of that. But the fact is, we don't want to die. And so they're all holed up in this house, uh, in or or near uh, Jerusalem, all except uh, Thomas. Easter morning didn't totally settle things for our heroes. That's the takeaway point from the opening lines of the story. They believe, sort of. And in any case, they're being pretty human uh, about the whole thing. Uh, Thomas is not there, and uh, as I said in a recent sermon, I really admire that. I really love Thomas. Tom, I call him, because we're like this. Uh, He was actually one of the most beloved saints uh, in the early centuries of the church, I think precisely because of stories like this. All the disciples are craven. They're scared out of their minds. They're hiding in a little house for fear of the Jews. But Thomas is out and about town. He's, you know, I don't don't know exactly what his attitude was, but evidently he was like, hey, if I die, I die. Which is something he said earlier uh, in the gospel narrative when they were on their way to Jerusalem. So he's, he's a bold man. He is not a fellow who lacks courage. Uh, in the general sense. So he's out and about, and I, I kind of like that uh, about him. I think he's underappreciated uh, for that. Uh, and while Thomas is out and about, the disciples have this astonishing encounter with Jesus, uh, who shows up and... I don't know. I mean, What was that like? That would have been a mind-blowing experience. It's like, dude, you know, you're here. We heard you were here. The girls said you were here. There you are. And he just has a a ministry moment with them and just really uh, blesses them. And then he takes off, leaves them there. Thomas misses it. Um, And when they tell Thomas that they had seen Jesus, the resurrected Lord, uh, he doesn't doesn't believe them. Now now just consider that interaction uh, for a minute. And what what it must have actually uh, been like? Um, I don't think Thomas called them liars. I don't think he totally you know disbelieved them. I didn't. I don't think he said you guys are making that up. I don't think he said anything like that. And I think there's evidence for that in the story because you know a week later Thomas is still with them. I mean they're still a community, right? They're still trying to to live out life together. You know, it's not like he's mad at them. He's not like he's rejected them. He doesn't think they're nuts. I don't think he says, you made it up. I think probably he's saying something like, look, I, th- I think this is probably more along the lines of the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, I think that maybe you had a vision from the Lord. You know, I, I-, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe it was an angel encouraging you or something. But here's what it wasn't. It wasn't the bodily resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth because that would be ridiculous. You know, I believe in God. I believe in visions. I believe in supernatural things. Indeed, the guy had performed a large number of miracles by that point. He believes, you know, in the, the, the birth of the universe. He just doesn't believe in, like, birth from the grave yet because that takes a little bit. Extra. There's a little bit more vulnerability involved there. And again, I totally appreciate his point because that's just a little bit wiggy. You know? Turn to the person next to you and say, wiggy. Thomas does not lack courage. In fact, he may have more innate courage than anybody's there, but he's just, you know, he's just trying to figure this out. He's trying to get the hang of this life. And he's like, yeah, okay supernatural yes weird no and that's an attitude that I find a lot of a lot of humans even believing humans share so so they're they're in this tension you know they're talking to each other they're loving each other they're sticking together in community but you know they have different perspective uh, on this uh, and then a week goes by and what must that week have been like uh, I just I, I would have loved to live that week almost more than I would have loved to live the preceding weekend. Uh, it would have been so fascinating. The question would have been, if Jesus is indeed alive, where is he? You know, what's he doing? Exactly what are we supposed to be doing? Are, uh, they, they're still hunting for us. We could die any day. You know, it's, it's a crazy week. It's just been hard to kind of get the hang of what life was supposed to be like post-Easter because nothing was given and nothing was normal. You know, and they had occasion to think, well, maybe Thomas is right. Maybe we had a vision, you know, maybe he's not like bodily here, and what's the difference anyway? I mean, you kind of appreciate what must have been going through their little fisherman heads. It's just a fascinating experience you know, and, and I can hear Thomas saying, you know, look, I get it. You know, God is encouraging you. I'm encouraging you guys, too, because you're scared. But let's be realistic. Let's be brave, but let's be realistic. Let's, let's tamper down, you know, what can we actually expect from this life? I get it. I get the conversation. Um, then Jesus shows up again in the story. A week later, comes back to the house and expands Thomas's worldview in a little interaction uh, that makes Thomas infamous as Doubting Thomas, um, but I think is, is indeed uh, full of grace. And Jesus's visit here with the guys and with Thomas would become a pattern, evidently. We're told in later accounts and in the opening of the book of Acts that Jesus would periodically visit uh, them and uh, a bunch of other people. He appeared to hundreds of people, actually, in the next 40 days, we are told in the biblical account, as those people figured out what it meant to serve a resurrected Lord, not just a living Lord, but a re-living Lord. What They tried to figure out what it meant to have life from the grave uh, in a way that meant interesting things. We get to see them figure out what it means uh, to live a life of faith that consistently meets dead ends and disappointments and setbacks. All those guys in the room, save one, would go on to meet death by execution, for instance. And in all their stories, we get accounts of devastating uh, setbacks and humiliations. And, and they had to figure out the pattern that sometimes death happens, but then life follows it. And sometimes it happens again, and then life follows it again. Resurrection power, not just creation power. Um, it would have been awkward in those early weeks as they figured it out what it meant to be brave versus what it means to be realistic. That's something that I still try to figure out on an almost daily basis. Easter is a real mind-blower for us humans. Agreed? Some of your minds are so blown you can't even answer me. I think the end of this little passage is so provocative because Jesus says to Thomas, Oh, yeah, you believe now now that you've seen and you got a little bodily experience, see my scars and whatnot, you believe now that you've seen a bit more. But blessed are those who believe without seeing, he says, essentially. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Uh, Which is great uh, for those of us who have not had an encounter with uh, the resurrected Jesus. Maybe some of you have. Uh, I know at least one story out there. Um, but uh, but most of us have not, and it's nice to think of ourselves as blessed, but I find the statement counterintuitive. It's weird. What does it mean that you're blessed if you don't see, and exactly why is that a, a blessing? What does the word blessed mean, uh, by the way? What? What do you think? Throw out some definitions favor, Fa- favored, yeah. Blessed, what? Grace, what's that? Extreme happiness, happiness, joy, that's got a figure in there, good. Encouragement, just filled with encouragement. Not something you think about much. Everybody wants to be blessed. Nobody knows what it means. No, I'd go with something like joy, uh, prosperity, expansion, you know, something like that. Um, you can research the, the Greek word in the text. I think it's something like makarios. It means exactly the same as blessing does in English. It's just sort of good, man. It's like major goodness. Major goodness to you who believe uh, without seeing. Or as Jesus said, peace be to you. You know, it's peace. It's that sense of well-being, of more than enough. Uh, I would think that if Jesus visited me today in bodily form, that would be a blessing. But here in this story, Jesus says, actually, you're more blessed if you can pull off belief without that happening. Why? Why? why is is the question. And, you know, you think about it, I think the answer isn't terribly hard to figure out. If you can believe without a lot of proofs, if you can believe without a lot of happy experiences, um, then nothing can stop you. If no matter what happens, you still believe. If no matter what happens, you're still filled with courage. If no matter what happens, you're still filled with strength. Then nothing can stop you. If you live in the spirit of victory without having always experienced victory, then nothing can stop you. You truly are pieced out. You truly are joyful if you can pull that off. You'll do so much better in a world in which life comes from the grave. Because grave experiences won't stop you. Right? Because you just not playing that game. Uh, you'll do much better in a world in which progress flows from disappointment. The disappointment won't hurt you too badly. You'll do much better in a world in which breakthroughs come from dead ends. You'll have the, faith to, the belief to pull it off if you don't require a lot of immediate proof and encouragement uh, in, in the moment. You'll be able to take a gut punch now and then, and just keep walking forward, if you can believe without seeing, without having to handle Christ every time you get a gut punch. You'll live with the boldness of Thomas, but you'll be peaceful and happy while you do it, instead of combative and ornery, uh, which was uh, Thomas's take on it. Uh, One thing I love about this post-Easter story is that it shows Jesus will come to us when, when we need it. I mean, it's just really gracious And Jesus shows up the disciples and say, yeah, it's true, and I just want to make sure that you guys know for sure. And then when Thomas struggles with it, he shows up with Thomas. You know, makes a particular visit to him and say, come on, what do you need? Do you need to actually touch my hands? And that does it for Thomas. I love that, and I take encouragement from that part of the story. There are times in your life which you might need some kind of gracious visitation from the Lord. And I know a lot of us have stories like that. Maybe it was a visitation from, you know, Jesus. Maybe it was just a powerful experience with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being God in the here and now these days. As Jesus walked among us 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit is among all of us all the time and you can experience him in real and manifestational ways and lots and lots of us have stories about that miracles that we see happen or just just powerful physical experiences with the presence of God and from time to time the Lord gives us those things and they are deeply encouraging you know sometimes they can kind of rewrite our DNA they can encourage us from deep within and make us different people stronger people. And, and the Lord is like that. And, and I love that he's been like that since the beginning, ever since his death and, and resurrection. He's gracious that way. But the story also suggests to me that one of the reasons he doesn't always do that for us, he doesn't always do that when I ask him, and I ask him about every other day, Um. But he doesn't always show up in a really manifestational way. And, and apparently, that's because there's a blessing that comes from stretching my belief. Evidently, it's because there's, there's a blessing that happens when I can believe without seeing. When I can believe without having repeated proof in my life. We, we think that joy comes from knowing, from knowing for sure. But Jesus says that joy comes from believing. That's a slightly different thing, isn't it? Joy comes from believing. One of the great truths of the universe. And I think it might be a big reason that God chose to craft the story of the universe in a way that involved the resurrection of a dead man. Because, man, you got to really believe in that. Because that's wiggy. Look it up in the theological dictionary. Wiggy. That fries our circuits a little bit. It exercises us in a way that's vital. And if we get it, if we master it, then what's going to stop us exactly? The grave? Not so much. Not so much. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. How can we know for sure? How can we know for sure? Well, no, I mean, actually, uh, I think there are some pretty convincing reasons to believe the story. If you were just going to ask me about it rational reasons, you know, like evidence at a trial. Uh, These accounts, all these Bible accounts that have survived for so long, are filled with pretty convincing eyewitness accounts of of what went down. And these accounts are remarkable in that they are not self-aggrandizing to the people who wrote them. I mean, the disciples look like idiots in these stories, right? Thomas doesn't come off so well, you know, they did abandon him on the cross if, if uh, Jesus' followers hatched a conspiracy to promote a Jesus sort of faith, you think they would have done it in a way that, I don't know, made them look impressive, that encouraged people to follow them and to do what they say. Of course, it's nothing of the sort. So as eyewitness accounts go, uh, they're compelling. And of course, there's also the fact that all of these guys went out and preached it and got killed for it and never flinched make some pretty credible witnesses, uh, in my opinion. Uh, that's impressive. There's the inexplicable history of the church, how the Christian church grew from this experience and, and, and spread uh, around the world. Perhaps if you've been around for a long time, you've heard me talk about that history and how miraculous and what a testimony as it is. I, I think that is an impressive proof right there. There are the convincing proofs of creation, you know, this, the scientific stuff. We've talked about that some time. The fact that, that the universe seems to have had a beginning, had seems to have had a creation is just kind of mind-blowing. There's the proof of the Bible itself. You know, that book that we call the Bible is a story that, that was told over 3,500 years by people who are radically separated by time and space and culture, and yet somehow organically they managed to produce a document that was astonishingly consistent and that not only predicts the life of Jesus of Nazareth, but fits the life of Jesus and the mission of Jesus really, really well. We've talked about that before. There are my own experiences with the power of the Holy Spirit, which I consider to be a vital testimony in my, in my life. And I know that many of you have experiences with the Holy Spirit Of well. You could, t- you could take all of those things and say, well, you know, there are a lot of reasons actually to believe in, in God. Lots. But to believe in a resurrected Christ is a little bit more pointed. You know, it is a little bit wiggier. It does exercise us a little bit. But I think there are great reasons for it. But none of those proofs will ever be perfect. I don't know what a perfect proof would be, frankly. And in any case, what God has done in the past, or what experiences we've had in our past, are never quite a guarantee of what we want him to do in the future. (laughs) Right? Never quite a guarantee. Never quite make us feel secure or safe enough. In the end, we all have to make a decision whether to believe or not. And the vital skill of belief, as we've talked about recently, is deciding. It's like making a decision about how it is to actually live. What it is that we're going to live according to. And on that decision, on the decision about belief, belief in this specifically, about the event that God inserted into history as his signature. Decision of whether or not to believe in that. Decisions about what to believe about that. On on that decision rests our joy and our peace and often our strength in this life. What we are celebrating today is that God has made accessible to us the sort of strength to just walk right through the grave. The sort of strength and joy and peace to just walk through every dead end, every setback, every disappointment, every gut punch. And just to keep on going. To keep on believing. To let our belief grow greater and greater and stronger and stronger. And I think a great celebration of Easter would be just to let our belief Thrive today. To just let it go. And to experience what we are meant to experience as a result of it. Blessing. Joy. Prosperity. Strength. Blessed are those who believe without having seen. and, And let us be among the blessed. Turn to somebody and say, bless you. Jesus is risen. Father God, I pray uh, that, uh, that we would experience the fullness of that belief, the blessing that comes from that belief this morning. Uh, we let it go. We just, we just let it go. Why not? Let's just believe. Why not? We set aside uh, the doubt. We celebrate freedom and joy and peace and strength today. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. We don't need your proof, but we gleefully accept your fellowship. Celebrate with us. Express your joy over us. Give us the power to walk through whatever this is in life. Whatever the dead end is, whatever the disappointment is, whatever the setback is, whatever the gut punch is, whatever this is. We choose life instead. We choose progress instead bigger and better than ever. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.